Hi, welcome to Dynamics Update. Uh, this time we will be talking about the version 10.0.33 and with me as usual I have my colleague Gustav Sundblad. Hello. Hello, my dear colleague Johan. Uh, I hope everything is well with you. I'm great, thanks. How are you? I'm so looking forward to a new version and a new podcast. That's always. Oh yeah, exactly. It's spring feeding, right? It's the weather is uh, towing up uh, outside, and uh, we have a new version to look at. So, what's not to like? Awesome. So, I thought you would get started this time. Great. Um, there are a lot of like smaller and, and larger ones as well. So I'm just going to jump straight in. No, no uh, <clears throat> specific ordering here. Um, commerce is a favorite topic. I noticed uh, a feature for asynchronous customer orders um, basically what it is it's um, cust- creation of customer orders the, the story between commerce and dynamics backend has always been some of the features and some of the functionality has been performance intense like creation of customers um, on hand calls and to mitigate this the asynchronous pattern has been implemented for a lot of them uh, customer orders being one of them where you now have the option of doing a parameter where you can try to create the customer order um, in real time, synchronous, so it gets instantly created in back office, and it's it's in back end, and it's available to other other resources. Uh, but this feature allows for a fallback option. So if for any reason you cannot reach um, back end or it's, the connection is down, it falls back to asynchronous. So it will try to reach and create the order. If it doesn't, it falls back to async, where it creates it in, in the channel database instead and then syncs, syncs the order up. So it's a enhancement to improve, um, well, order creation as well, but the user experience for the point of sale users. So it's faster. And you get the confirmation number. You don't get the actual sales order number, of course, because the SO number is then generated when the batch job syncs it up, uh, but you get the confirmation number. So the fallback option is, is great. Yes, that's cool. So my first one is actually a uh, an awesome simpli- simplification, I thought, that what, that I heard of for the first time this week. So one of the things that I have noticed when I work with AX and FNO is that printing is really, really, really complicated. <laughs> you need to set up printers, you need to create uh, printing jobs, you need to, to have templates... And and it's, there is a lot of work that goes into having your first printout. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I really appreciate this one. Um, the thing is that um, one of the new features has to do with uh, label printing. And in this case, what you can do is that you can create a, you can create a new, just a label template, basically, and connect it to your random screen within FNO. So from the FNO workspace, you can select the record and just print label and it's done. So I I really thought that was a really <laughs> good thing, good way of doing it, actually. Yeah, that's very cool. And I think the, the whole printer set, I, I used to work as a network technician and printer, uh, well, not printer technician. So that I think the, the one of the most frustrating amounts of work is, is getting printers to work in any any ecosystem but the, the just the fact with different printer drivers and label printers are 
Uh, maybe I'm like causing some um, <laughs> someone to, to not like me here, but label printers like ZPL language. It's really I think I look at the um, documentation here, and the, they included an example of how how to print to that label. And the functionality is I agree it's great and it's very makes it easier to like solve um, at this receiving or at this warehouse or whatever print a label for me. It's very nice, but you still need to understand ZPL language, right? Or and now I think uh, maybe ChatGPT can can do that for me. Uh, give me ZPL code. That's something I really have to try out. Can, give me ZPL code for doing this and this and this. Um, that's maybe a good enhancement here to to making this this actually work. Most cases you already have that language or the the code needed to to improve your label, but. Um, that's where ChatGPT can help out. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I used to work <laughs> as like an infrastructure technician and the printers sucks in every way, shape and form. But the thing is that if you if you put them together with an ERP system, they suck even more. Yeah. So so they, <laughs> no, I, I don't like printers. I, I actually think we should ban printers altogether because they never work. Everything would work so much better if we didn't use printers. Yeah, I agree completely. Yeah. Not only from an environmental perspective, also from like a worker mental health perspective. Yes, yes. <laughs> I yes. think it makes a lot of sense, right? Yes. So what's um, your next one? Um, yeah, so working off the list, one just something to mention here. We've take we've brought this up, um, I think, on numerous occasions before, um, and it's been broadcast before. The the, the um, API limits, uh, the enforcement of the API limits in this version ten dot thirty three, the service protection API limits are now mandatory. Uh, so you cannot disable them. You cannot live without well work around them once you go to this version. And I have to stress it a lot because I think hopefully it won't lead to any severe issues if you've done your homework and or if you maybe not even suffer from the uh, limits that are in place but it, it's super critical to understand these implications if you have integration patterns that rely on a lot of API calls from a from the same user or the same service uh, because you will need to implement the retry retry patterns basically like busy signal <laughs> to put it simply uh, so read up on the service protection API limits before you go to version 33.3 because otherwise you will get problems in your integrations if you are in the vicinity of these limits, uh, so to speak. So if you're not, if you use recurring integrations patterns or stuff like that, you won't be affected. Yeah, and I, th- I think it's also went up to the top of the most asked fast track questions in your pre-go live workshop. Have have you looked at the API limits so that you don't bump into them? Yeah. <laughs> Which is fully relevant because it's it's uh, yeah absolutely. It, I mean, the the problem with the API limits, I would say, is that um, so I'm I'm going to use the wrong word here, but but from a user perspective, they are sort of arbitrary because there is no there is no pattern. There is a there is a number of API calls you can do in twenty minutes. But the problem is that you never know, whatever you do, how many API calls does that cause? Because it could be one, it could be 21, and it greatly affects the, the, the way the system works. So as you said, if, you, if you're going to use OData, you need to have like a retry process from your integration components so that it doesn't affect the users. 
and it needs to be a really really stable one i guess yeah exactly so i mean it's like the 10th time i think this is mentioned as well so uh, just bear it in mind and hopefully uh, no issues and the point is to ensure stability in the platform right so it makes a lot of sense to to uh, to adhere to it um i had to just mention from the i i had chat gpt open so i tried um, asking it to write me how to print gustav as a barcode label it just did it and explained how it's done as well so if you have a need to combine the new feature that you want to mention about custom labels and and actually understanding sepia language i can recommend it you can use bing now as well as maybe ask bing to do it it's very cool that's perfect sorry i had a side story a sidetrack but that was really excellent <laughs> um yeah so Johan, do you have what's your what's your next point so my next one is actually a preview it's not something going GA in 10.033, but it's actually a new thing that's coming in preview. And it has to do with pricing management. And one of the reasons that I am bringing this up right now, instead of in the, in the release where it's actually going to be released, is that this, I think this will greatly affect the processes of how you manage pricing within a solution. So... If you're already on FNO, you probably need to do your homework on this one. Uh, I think it can greatly uh, improve the product, but it will also require a whole lot of work, I'm guessing, to, to get it <laughs> up and running. So it's definitely a reason why you should have a, a, an environment where you have something in preview. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've set this up a little bit and tried elaborating with it because it's really... Uh, and I, I share your opinion to even though it's preview, try to exper experiment with it and try to combine it to fill, fulfill your needs. But it's really combining the best of best of two worlds where it's been like this huge gap between B2B scenarios using trade agreements and a lot of advanced functionality there, there as well. But um, and the whole omnichannel B2C, like the CSU and the pricing engine there. Uh, combining these two is um, well it makes a lot of sense, right? Because you can use the best of two worlds, and you can do adaptive pricing using these attributes. But it's um, it requires some homework, and it, requ it requires an understanding. Basically, as with any functionality, make sure that you understand what you're trying to achieve first. I think that makes the best sense. What do we what do we actually want here? If trade agreements are a perfect fit for you because you work the fixed fixed list pricing. Maybe this is not a feature that you actually need to implement, um, but it has a lot of um, lot of good benefits, um, and I implore you to try it out. Yes, cool. All right, um, is it me? Yes. I, am I next? Yes. Well, speaking of complexity, uh, I think um, this this has been up. It's not um, a new feature in this release, and. But it's, they've done some enhancement to it, and I wanted to bring it up again. The financial tags part, the integration with the ledger settlements, the automated process. We discussed this uh, briefly in an interview as well before, and I've read up on it to try to understand like um, differences between financial tags. There's actually a very good, if you just uh, look at docs, there is a good um, one-pager explaining the differences between financial dimensions and financial tags, because that was me not being a finance expert. Um, it helped me out a lot. But they are very cool. It's basically just um, 
20 character uh, field that allows for custom input. Um, and it seems very simple, and it is, but as it's integrated into the journal and the settlement processing, it opens up this, um, I'm not going to say the Swedish word, <laughs> smorgasbord, but I'm saying it anyway. Uh, it opens up uh, some possibilities uh, for um, for settlements or using um, re reporting BI, perhaps, where you don't have to adhere to the very rigid financial dimension structure where you need to take the system into maintenance mode to, and it's very rigid with and it, with good sense because it's tied to the reporting structure but um, uh, the financial tags when they're enabled um, they they are popping up on journals and documents now so i it's a good thing to look at if you have the need to find and settle specific documents specific groupings um, and i think they're a very good um, helpful tool the way i understand them so, and they are improved in this version. That's good. Okay, so the next one is actually one that I think we have uh, bumped into in, in the project that, that I'm in right now. Uh, and it has to do with um, supply chain and, and uh, specifically uh, management of shipping containers. So in this case, it's actually a feature which lets you... Um, batch uh, processing of containers so you can actually send them in as a as one batch instead of having to manually go through the entire inventory of the container and and um, and uh, handle them this is also mm -hmm. one of those features that are in preview right now but mm -hmm. i think it's it's a really useful one and and if this is the one that we bumped into then it actually gives you a lot better performance when you handle like big big uh, big batches of of um, of things mm -hmm. so performance improvement yes and it ties a little bit into the the order one before that, that the whole as much as you can alleviate from the synchronous like please wait um part of the system the better uh and the more you can put into the batch and, and let the system work for you the better always been a good setting point yes um all right i have my next one and this has been discussed as well before i think the, the whole range of topics the archiving part i think um the archiving of inventory transactions is the feature that's listed in, in 10.33 together with archiving of sales orders as well and what it is it's basically a feature to archive your probably quite large inventory transaction table, Inventrans and all those related tables as well. Um, historically, I think Inventrans and all the inventory tables um, together with maybe retail transaction payment tables and, and stuff like that has been always been like the top 10 disk usage of, uh, of the SQL part. Um, and it's quite clear, I think we discussed this before as well, Yvonne, the archiving components here coming into play are really important to to ensure long-term um, long term life as well as, I mean, from Microsoft's standpoint, of course, it's, it's managing the platform, but it makes a lot of sense for us, of course, to archive to ensure performance and stability. So um, look into your archiving solutions. The, the, the inventory transactions is the one I'm most interested in because it has a tendency to grow, um, that table, quite large, um, especially if you're working in both like sales and, and supply chain. But also, um, there are a number of archiving tools available. The payment um, payment details archiving job from the commerce side 
because that table grows so large due to the, all of the like blob um, so that's saved for payment details um, and it's not really necessary to store that um, that type of information for long so you can archive it and save some save some space yeah and i think also one important part of this is that when microsoft launched fno or as it was called back then ax7 the thing was that that um, the amount of data in the database was actually hard capped at the much lower level that than we see today uh, and and uh, it was also that if you needed to buy extra storage that it actually cost a lot of money to do so mm. uh, the thing is that microsoft hasn't uh, enforced the database limits so there are actually customers that have like 400 percent the maximum amount of of data in their database uh, not to speak about the binary blob storage as well so um the thing is that microsoft is going to enforce this limit of database but the thing is they can't do that until there is a way to actually clean it out so there is a lot gustav talked a lot about like uh, retail transactions and, and so on but there are also mm. a lot of other data sources that end up in the database for instance if you're using um, the entity store and and other mm. more technical ones that are also ending up in the database that you actually don't have any any way of handling it needs to today for instance it needs to be put into a support case with microsoft so they need to be maintenance jobs for these tables to empty them out to archive them in a, in a, a certain amount of time and so on and and those are yeah. what we are seeing that are starting to end up in the in the release notes now so we are going to have to get used to actually um, moving things out of the database uh, we're not used to that when we have an on-prem uh, database because we we could often just add a couple of extra disk or an extra SAN or something like that but we don't really have that option now and and that's also because bo both because of performance but also because Microsoft don't want to have to archive things uh, to keep things in the database forever and ever and ever so so in order to to have a, a lean database, you need to remove things. Uh, you shouldn't remove things that, that you have legal requirements around, of course, but, but there are a lot of things that you can actually can remove that you just haven't removed before because you didn't need to. So you need to look into no, that. Exactly. Prudent data, ma data maintenance. It's always a good sense to keep track. It's, it's a cloud system, source solution, but it's still data, right? It's still filling up. I actually think it's it it could be a good, very good exercise for basically any customer of FNO to go through what they are spending their data allowance on and what yeah. legal requirements <laughs> they have because I I don't actually think that there are I'm I'm guessing that there are actually customers that doesn't really know specifically exactly what they are allowed to remove and what they are not allowed to remove. No, exactly. And that's complex, right? I mean, not only from a legal perspective, how many years do I need to store these? And it's also from like now with um, uh, 
regulation regulatory like you need to store a certain amount of data within the borders etc so yep. that's a, a whole um, whole range of topics to to be uh, to be discussed but i think the archiving features here of course make sure you do your homework and, and employ like external storage but they are mainly meant to be performance enhancement and, and storage storage reduction um <clears throat> yes for your system yes all right uh, with that i think we're actually uh, more or less done for today if you don't have anything else you would like to mention i have one just a small small time just uh, well, i noticed that there was enhancements to the um prospect to cache scenario the one uh, the standardized scenario of, of dual write integration between ce and and um and fno uh, i haven't tried this out myself but i understood that this is um this release has several improvements in that scenario to enhance the efficient the efficiency so if you have looked into that scenario before and kind of found it coming short uh, because of some key like um, issues with it um, maybe worth investigating investigating it again uh, because this release has um a lot of improvements to it, as I understand. It's more on, on the pricing and the quotation handling, and it supports like state transitionings going back and forth. So it's more of a actual dual write scenario, and not like once you click it, you can't go back. Uh, as, I, as I understand, it was a little bit before. So uh, worth looking into if you are if you have those uh, those needs. Yep. All right. Uh, and with that, I think we have to say goodbye for tonight. Uh, hear from you again. Bye bye. Bye-bye. Thank you.